We're in the midst of a series where we are understanding the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And this is new. Uh, each service, at the end of the service, folks keep stopping and saying, this is new. I've read this. I've seen this. But it, it's not been um, in my life the way it is now. And that's my prayer, is that what we are learning becomes a natural part of your marriage, becomes a natural part of your child rearing, of the way you treat people at work and at school and where you're hanging out, is that you're being Spirit-led because you are Spirit-filled. When the Spirit of God enters into our life, uh, He brings uh, many things. There is a provision. The Holy Spirit provides three things we've been talking about. Provides the fruit of the Spirit, the benefits of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. And we talked about the gifts a couple of weeks ago. Next Sunday, we're really going to dig down on the fruits of the Spirit. But today, we're going to really pour into and, and try to get down deep into the benefits of the Spirit. And uh, if you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go ahead and go to John chapter 14. While you're turning there, let me show you what Jesus said in John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, that is your benefit, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, and we're going to unpack this word, and you're going to see this, this term used for the Holy Spirit throughout the, the uh, message today and throughout John 14 through 16. The helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. This is the promise of Jesus that he made to the disciples. It's the promise God made to us in Joel 2, 29. It's the promise God made to us in Ezekiel uh, 26, 24. These are the promises of God that point us to the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is what we are about to celebrate on June the 9th. And what we want to do today is we want to focus on how God's presence is helpful, how the Holy Spirit is helpful to us. Uh, hopefully you're open now to John. Uh, go to John 15, verse 26 and 27. Hale's going to come and read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. We're in John chapter 15, and uh, we're going to look at— we're, this is just a starting spot, again, just to kind of get our, our minds going. And then uh, we're going to unpack uh, several passages out of John 14 through 16. So I'm going to read for us 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes— who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. I was in Matthew 25 looking, thinking, that is not right. That's right. I'm in John. I'm with everybody now. I'm all caught up. I'm, I'm ready to go. Okay, let me give you the background on this. Jesus is hours from dying for the sins of the world. They are in the upper room. He's about to uh, create the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. He's about, to, you know, he's probably already washed the disciples' feet. He's now in a conversation with them. This is called the upper room discourse. So look in your Bibles, John 14 through 16. Just kind of get a sense of the context here. Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure, and they're very upset. They're very scared. Uh, they're, they're not real sure what to think about everything Jesus is laying on them right now. So he begins to comfort them. And one of the things he says to comfort them is the fact that the comforter or the helper in our translation, the paraclete, is it going to come and he's going to provide for them. And so what I want you to see today is, and again, I'm praying that I'm going to come back at some point and do a whole series 
of sermons on each one of these. Each one of these could be and, and probably will one day be an individual sermon. But as we're digging down into each of these things that the Holy Spirit does to help us, I want you to also catch the context. In case I forget to say it, I want you to understand that every benefit that we're going to look at today comes in the context of a specific need or command that God gives to us. And so don't take these benefits and just separate them from the context of what Jesus is doing. He's comforting his disciples. He's comforting us. He's reminding us of who he is and what he's done and what's about to happen. He's letting us know that we have every reason to have peace. We have the capacity to obey. There is so much that can happen that is right and good in our life as we are filled with the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us. So let's take note and note first. The Holy Spirit helps us obey the Word of God. He helps us obey the Word of God. Look what it says in verse 15. Let's go now to John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Obedience is not an option for a Christian. The Bible clearly indicates that the way we know for certain that we are saved is through our obedience. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. We know that we know Jesus if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Wow, that's harsh, but it's right. It's true. I'm going to read it again. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. We can know that we are saved. We can have assurance of salvation. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Obedience to Jesus Christ is proof of our salvation. Obedience does not make you a Christian. It proves that you are a Christian. Jesus says, "You are. if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And then he says, now... I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, another helper to be with you forever. The language that Jesus is using here is very purposeful. He is saying, I will ask. Now, this word that he's using, again, I'm not going to read it in the Greek, but what he's doing here is, is that Jesus is pointing out his divinity, the divinity of his Father, and the divinity of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to his ministry. He says, I, I, I will pray for you. Now, Hold your finger there. Go over real quick to John chapter 17. Just go back three verses. He's saying that I'm going to pray for you. And he does pray for them. And what you see in John chapter 17 is what is called the high priestly prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples in that moment when their hearts were shaking and they were very concerned. Having given them the promises that we're going to look at today, the benefits of the Holy Spirit, he prays for them. He is now praying for us. Jesus Christ is now the high priest of heaven. And that's what the book of Hebrews is about. So sometime, do yourself a favor and read John 17, the high priestly prayer, and then go and read all of the, the letter to the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and how the ministry of Jesus provides everything we need to have access to the Father and live in a right relationship with God. Jesus is saying, okay, look, if you love me, you're going to obey me. 
And what I'm going to do as God, I, God the Son, am going to ask God the Father to send you God the Spirit. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask. And this word ask, I'm going to ask, he is, he's, what it's, the Greek of it is, I'm going to ask someone of equal status, stature, and position. I'm going to ask for someone just like me. Again, this word another, Alon. I'm going to ask for another of the same kind. So think about how definite Jesus is being about the language here. I'm asking for another of the same kind as me, another helper. Jesus is our help. Jesus is our paraclete. He is the one who has provided us access to God. The word parakletos is the word helper. So when you see another helper, Jesus is claiming, and he is rightly, a helper. He, he helps us and enables us. But he's now praying for another helper, another parakletos. Now, there are people who will pronounce that wrong. They want to call it parakletos. And I understand we're Southerners, and most of us have a friend named Cletus. But that's not his name. It's parakletos, and it comes from the word parakleto. Para, meaning alongside, and kaleo, to call. So Jesus is saying, I have, been, I have come to call alongside of you. I have been calling you to myself. I am praying that the Holy Spirit, the helper, is going to, another helper is going to come and, and come alongside and call you to follow in my way. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to obey me. And I know on your own, you can't do that. So I'm sending a helper who's going to come alongside, another parakletos, someone like me who is going to come alongside and now help you. Now, the, the Holy Spirit is like Jesus in that he is present with God's people the way Jesus was with the disciples. But the Holy Spirit is unlike Jesus in what he is doing. Jesus pleads our cause to God the Father. The reason why you and I can know that our prayers are answered is because we come in the name of Jesus Christ, who has paid for our sin with his blood, and he has defeated death with his resurrection, and he is now at the right hand of God, and he is our paraclete. He is our helper, and as we come to the Father, we come in his name. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He is coming alongside us, but notice his ministry is different than that of Jesus. While Jesus pleads our cause with the Father— as our atoning sacrifice, the Holy Spirit pleads God's cause with us. Jesus pleads our cause to the Father. The Holy Spirit is pleading God's cause to us. He is saying, this is what God wants for you. This is what is best. Here is what you need to do. Jesus is saying, accept them, Father. I pay for them, Father. Father, they are your children. The Holy Spirit is saying, the Father has spoken to you. He's coming alongside of us, and He's calling us to obedience, to walk in the way that Christ has provided, to walk in the way of Christ. When I was a freshman uh, at, at, in college, I, I, I was playing football. That's how I was able to get my education. And we had to register for classes. I know this sounds crazy to some of you young people, but there was actually a day in the world when there was no such thing as an internet. They called it the Dark Ages, see? And believe it or not, when you had to register for a class, I know you've heard this phrase before, sign up, sign up. We literally had to use to sign things. There were these things called pens, pencils. 
So literally, we had to go and stand in line with thousands of people to sign up for our classes. Well, as a, as a football player, I had an assistant coach go with me, and they had a special pass. We were able to jump everybody in line, which led to many people booing us, which I didn't care about whatsoever because I was so happy to get my classes. But see, that coach was there to make sure that he was speaking on behalf of the football team to make sure that I got the right classes. Because see, we weren't allowed to have any classes between 5 and 7 a.m. and then 12 o'clock on, which means we were only allowed to have classes between 7 a.m. and 12 p.m. Because we had workouts from 5 to 7, we had lunch meetings to go over film, then we had practice, then we had dinner meetings, then we had study hall, and then you were supposed to be in bed. So we could only go to class between 7 and 12 o'clock. He was there to make sure that I didn't get any classes outside of that and that the classes were not hard. Now, what he didn't know was that I was a nerd, and I was an honor student, and I was already accepted into the classes, and all I was basically going to do is go up and sign off on the classes that I had already been assigned to me because I was in the honor school. And so as I was getting ready to sign the class, he literally leaned down and said, I wouldn't take that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, that's hard. Every class, you flip the page, I wouldn't take that. Why? That's hard. So finally we got to it, I signed them all off, and we turned them out, and he said, man, I've never done this before. I said, what do you mean you have to sign people? He goes, no, 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 I've never seen a smart kid sign up before. Because <laughs> see, you know, the football, it was like, you know, class is something you do so you can play football, right? That's just kind of a, a, an, an interruption to the plan. Well, I didn't listen to him. You know, a lot of people treat the Holy Spirit the way I did my quarterback advising coach. The Holy Spirit said, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say that. I, that's not according to God's word. That's not God's way. Do you know what a lot of Christians do? Get out of here. I've got the plan. I know what I want. I, I'm going to do what I want to do. And when you do that, you grieve the Holy Spirit and you walk in sin. You don't, you don't show your love for Jesus and you don't obey his word. What the Holy Spirit does is he enables us. He helps us obey the Word of God. How does He do that? Well, because of who He is, He reveals truth. Look, the Holy Spirit, look at verse 17. Even, look at this name, His name, the Spirit of Truth. He is the Spirit of Truth. He inspired the Word of God. Now, when I wrote this series months and months ago, what I wanted to do was explain bibliology. I wanted to explain the theology of the Bible. And I thought I could do it in two minutes, but I couldn't. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and I want you to do a little self-study on the theology of the Word. I want you to see what Scripture says about itself. Here's just a few verses I would have liked to have taught to you in two minutes, but I'm just going to give them to you in two minutes because it would have taken me two hours actually to explain them all. The first one is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. The second one is uh, Hebrews 4, 12. Hebrews 4, 12. A third one is uh, 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. And then the last one, strangely enough, is the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. But what these verses do is they explain to us how we got our Bible. And the way we got our Bible is the Spirit of God moved on the apostles and the prophets and gave them the authority to write God's Word. So the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth because He inspired the Word of God and now He illuminates the Word of God. See, what happens to those of us who are born again, when we read the Scriptures, the Spirit of God illuminates the truth to us. 
There are times when I've read the Bible and I see something I've never seen before and I think, how long has that been there? And I realize, oh yes, this existed before I lived. So it's always been there. But what happens is the Spirit of God illuminates that Word. Not only does He inspire the Word, the Bible is the Word of God, but the Spirit of God alive in us illuminates the Word to us so that we can understand the Word. And then the Spirit of God always is consistent. If someone ever says to you, or if you ever say something like this, well, God told me to, God has called me to do this, God told me to do this, and it's not consistent with the Word of God, here's what you can know, that's a lie. God only speaks according to His Word. God never speaks what is contrary to His Word. The Spirit of God will never guide you to do anything that is contrary to the Word of God. The Word of God will always come alive to you and will drive you to obedience to God. Even the Spirit of truth, look at this, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Please understand, only those who are born again can experience the Holy Spirit and His work. Only those who have been born again can receive the truth given by God. If you have not received the Spirit of God, here's what the Bible sounds like to you. Folly. It sounds like foolishness. It's ridiculous. There's a reason why those who don't believe, who look at those of us who do believe and think we're crazy. Because they do not understand the Word of God. They cannot. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through 14 says it plainly. Listen to this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given. Now look at this, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. God has given us his word. He does not give it to us according to the world. He gives it according to the spirit. Okay, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The person who is not born again does not accept the Word of God as an authority. It does, this, the person does not have the capacity to have the Word illuminated to them. All right, go to For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Only those who are born again, only those who are filled with the Spirit of God can appreciate and understand the Word of God. To other people, it's nonsense. So don't be surprised when people who are not Christians make fun of or mock or think little of the Scripture. They don't understand them. They cannot They are foolishness to them because they look at the Word from a worldly perspective. Only those who have been filled with the Spirit of God can be moved by the Word of God. And and it's because we have the capacity to obey the Word of God by the Spirit of God. Now remember the way the Holy Spirit works. Look at what Jesus said again. Look down to verse 17. You know Him for, He's talking to them at that moment. He dwells, look at the preposition, with you. Not in you. That's going to happen in the future. I'm going to read the whole section. For you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, why does he say that? Remember the way the Spirit of God has worked throughout human history. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon someone. So when you read in the book of Judges, when God would raise up a leader, the Spirit would come upon that man or woman. Now, when Jesus was alive on this earth, in the days of Jesus, the Spirit was with them. 
So Jesus is saying to his disciples, I am with you, so right now the Spirit of God is with you. The only way a person could be with the Spirit of God is they had to be geographically in the presence of Jesus Christ. But now, post-Pentecost, now that the Spirit of God has come as promised, post-Pentecost, the Spirit was and now is within. So look at the preposition. You know, for, you know him, for he dwells with you. Jesus said, he's with you right now, but he will be in you. And so here we are now. The helper has come. And now he's in us who believe and are born again. And so now we can obey the word of God because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Second thing to note, the Holy Spirit helps us understand the will of God. We can obey the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we can understand the will of God. And please know, you cannot know the will of God if you do not know the word of God. If you are not obeying the word of God, you will never get the will of God. And the will of God is not as mysterious and mystical as some want to make it out to be. The will of God is very practical and noble. Go to verse 26 and 27 of John 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit helps us understand the will of God by two things. First note, by revealing to us the meaning of the word of God. He will teach you all things. He will illuminate. He will enable us to ascertain, to understand the will of God as we are reading the Word of God. And He will remind us, reminding us of what the Word of God says, bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So see, when we know the will of God, we're able to walk in peace, to live in peace. That's why, look what He says in verse 27. He's saying, here's the benefit of the Holy Spirit. What's the, what's the cause that needs that effect? Peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Friends, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and a spirit-filled believer, you, have, you have never have any reason not to have peace. There is never reason for you to be anxious or to fret. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your family's doing, no matter what's happening around you, when you are living in the Spirit of God, you have no reason to ever fear. When you're doing the will of God, you can know that you are walking in a way that, that gives complete confidence. Psalm 143.10. I love this. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. When you are doing the will of God, you are led by the Spirit of God, and it will be level ground. That means your next step will be sure. You will know that you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and that will give you peace. I love this promise in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. It's one of the best promises in all of Scripture to me. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Right now, we have young people, young adults, people of all ages, really senior adults, people that are making some serious decisions about their life, some about their career, some about marriage, some about their health, the health of someone they love. And, and there is a tendency sometimes to worry. And there's a tendency to fret. And there's no reason for that. God is not always, and will, I would say, will rarely give you A to Z, his plan for your life. You know what God always gives you? The next step. You know what the next step is? It's always a step of obedience according to his word. 
Let me illustrate like this. This morning you made the right step. You're in God's house with God's children hearing the preaching of God's word. Good job. You're where you're supposed to be right now. You say, well, what about this afternoon? What am I supposed to do then? You'll know when you get there. What am I supposed to eat for dinner? Relax. It's okay. It's, I bet it's going to be okay. God has a plan. You say, well, I'm not worried about dinner. I'm worried about who I'm supposed to marry, what I'm supposed to do for my job, how I'm supposed to take care of my parents, what am I supposed to do? I'm a grandparent now. What am I supposed to God's not going to give you A to Z, and here's why, because you'll mess it up. Here's what he's doing. Walk according to his will, and you will have peace. If you got to know everything, you're a control freak, and you're not trusting God, so stop. And some of you just elbowed somebody. Stop. Here's what it is to walk with God. It is to say, what's the next step of obedience there? Your feet will always be sure in that step. God, God's will is done as you take each step of obedience. The Holy Spirit allows you to obey the Word of God as you are able to understand the will of God. You only understand the will of God as you're obeying the Word of God. So each step is a, releva- is a revelation of God's will for you that you can only do by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that begins to happen, you're going to talk about it. So write this down. The Holy Spirit helps us testify about the way of God. So go over to John 15, 26 and 27, which is the next time Jesus talks about the helper. But notice the context. Go to uh, verse 18. John 15, 18. In the context of this help, Jesus says, look, people are going to hate you. They hated me. They're going to hate you. Verse 25, look, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be bad. This is going to be hard. You just need to be ready for what's about to come your way. But the, world, uh, but the word that is written and that their law was fulfilled, they hated me without a cause. Do not expect the world to appreciate what you believe about Jesus Christ but testify anyway. Look what Jesus says. Here's the comfort. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness. Now, I like the NIV on this one. The word is testify. To bear witness is good, but I love testify about me. And you will also bear witness. That is, you will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Here's what happens. When you're born again, the Spirit of God testifies to you about Jesus Christ. And the more you come to love and trust Jesus Christ, the more you testify about Him. Everyone testifies about what they love. This is not a secret. If you don't know this about me, if you're ever wondering, what can I give Pastor Jason? M&Ms. I have testified to that fact, right? There is no secret about what I love. And the caramel ones are, ah. I've given testimony. Why? Because I love them. Do you ever testify about Jesus Christ? You testify about what you love. There's a reason why many of us don't, and here's here's why I think the main reason is because the world doesn't want to hear it. The world wants us to tell them they can do whatever they want and they'll be fine. It's not true. Here's what I want you to remember, always know about every person you talk to every day. Guys, put the three circles up for me. Everyone you talk to in the world is dealing with some level of brokenness, everybody. 
Every person you work with, every child in your house, every parent in your house, every grandparent, every person you know on this planet is dealing with some level of brokenness. Now, what the world wants is for us to say, hey, that sin that's causing brokenness, it's okay, just ignore it. Doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Do whatever feels right. Go for it. It's creating more brokenness. Here's the truth. If we will repent and believe in Jesus Christ, we will avoid the sin that creates the brokenness and we'll be able to pursue and recover God's design. But you know what? The world doesn't want to hear this. The world does not want to hear this because it's painful. It doesn't feel right. Let's, let's go to the fourth one and I'll explain why. Why we can accept it, but why they can't. It's because we have the ability to discern the work of God. See, the Holy Spirit helps us discern the work of God. Look at verse 7 in John 16. Nevertheless, again, Jesus The context is he's explaining what the world's going to think of them. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to to your advantage that I go away. But if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, look what he's going to do. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's the last thing our world wants to hear about today. Do not be surprised when you testify about Jesus that people ask you to stop. Do not be surprised if people turn you off, don't want to have dinner with you, don't want to eat lunch with you, don't want to be around you if you're going to talk about Jesus. I've had people say that to me. Look, I like you, but if you're going to talk about Jesus, then I, you know, I just soon not be around. Why? Because when we testify about who Jesus Christ is and what he does, there's conviction that comes upon the world. They're convicted about sin. They're convicted about righteousness. They're convicted about judgment. And that's the last thing they want to feel. And this is exactly what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to join him in the work he's doing. So look, when you pray, when you talk to your family members and friends about Jesus and they don't want to hear about it, look, don't be rude about it, but understand they're feeling conviction. When people don't like something, it's because it's uncomfortable. What's the, what's the discomfort? It's conviction. So don't stop praying. When they start pushing you away, listen, you can't be rude and you can't break laws. Breaking and entering is wrong. They frown upon that. But what you can do is continue to love them, pray for them, and know if they're bothered by your testimony, if they're bothered by your faith, It's because the Holy Spirit is giving them a glorious gift. It's the gift of conviction. I didn't feel that way when I was saved. The last thing I wanted to feel was bad about the things I had done. And as a matter of fact, I had spent a lot of years not worrying one bit about what anybody else thought about me or what I did. But when the Holy Spirit worked on my life and and gave me new birth... I felt deep conviction for my sin, and that's the last thing I wanted to feel. And the only way I could get rescue from it was through Jesus Christ. Friends, do not be surprised if the world hates you. Do not be surprised if the world does not want to hear your testimony and to hear you testify. Here's what you need to do. Discern the work of God. Discern that God is bringing conviction. Discern that God is doing what He does. He's going to show you what he's doing. When the spirit of truth comes, look at this in verse 13. He will guide you into all truth. Well, he, will, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, will, he will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. He will do it for the glory of God. He will glorify me in the plan of God to save a people for himself. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. You'll get it. 
you'll be able to see the world for what it is and why things are happening. And you'll be able to trust God in the midst of it. And it will give you, he will give you peace. Now let me say this and be very clear about it. If you are not walking in the Spirit, if you're not keeping in step with the Spirit, if you are not filled with the Spirit, and you're making decisions on your own feelings, you're going to do things your way, you're going to take steps and stands based on what you want, you have every reason to be afraid. You have every reason to be concerned because you don't know what tomorrow holds and you're stepping out in faith in you. But if you will live in obedience to the Word of God by the Spirit of God, if you will stay in step with the Spirit, you never need worry. Every step you take, you may not understand fully where it ultimately is going, but as you take that step, here's what you can know. I'm living in obedience to God, and He's with me, and He is going to work out everything that's about to happen in my life. So here's what I know about every person in this room. You're worried about something. It might be your life. It might be someone you love, someone you care about. Now, here's the thing. You can't control what other people do, but you can control what you do. And here's what I would invite you to do. Ask God to make sure that you are revived. Ask God to make sure that you're walking in step with the Spirit. And as you walk in the Spirit, ask God to do miracles in the lives of other people. Let me tell you why I'm so confident of this. If God could save somebody as rotten as me, he can save anybody. And I don't know the people that are in your life that are hurting and broken and you're, maybe you've given up on them. God can save them. I don't know what your marriage is like. I don't know what's going on in your family. I don't know what kind of fears you're facing. I'm going to tell you something. God is bigger. And if you will walk in the Spirit, he will provide the way, and you will have peace. That night, those disciples were tore up. They were sitting around that table, and they're hearing Jesus say, I'm leaving you. I'm out of here. It's going to be bad. But then he said, but look, I'm sending you help. You can trust him as you walk in him. What Jesus says to us today is, I've sent you help. Ask him for help. Ask him. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your bringing us into your family through adoption. Jesus, we thank you for dying for our sin and being raised and now serving as, as our mediator. You speak our cause to God on our behalf, and we thank you for sending a Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for coming to plead God's cause with us, that we would walk in the Spirit, that we would have you to guide us and to have peace in everything we face. Lord, you know every need that's in this room right now, and you know that there are some who just need to come and ask you for help, some who need to come and ask for salvation. Lord, we all have needs. Thank you that we can, we can come and we can know they're provided for because of Jesus Christ. All of this, our living hope is because of Jesus Christ. And now that the Spirit has come, we can honor you, Father, and we can trust your will and we can walk in it. So would you hear us today as we pray? Would you hear us now as we get ready to go, as we praise you, enable us to walk out of this place with complete peace and utter confidence? Come and pray as we sing together.